that need for you to pay it forward, show the next generation how they can also be successful. That is what drives me to do the work that I do now. You're listening to She's Got Drive podcast, the podcast that inspires women to be a driver in their own life with the life and stories of black women with drive. And I'm your host, Shirley McAlpine. I'm a business consultant, an executive coach, and a leadership facilitator, working with people and organizations to live their lives by design and not default. Welcome back to another episode of She's Got Drive. And we are at the end of February already. And we are on the bridge, on the cusp of going into a new month. I know we say this every year, but the year is moving so fast, but it's been a full and exciting beginning of the year too. So long may it continue. Let's keep rocking and rolling. The upside is the days are getting longer. The mornings are lighter. And so all is well with the world. All is well with the world. I wanted to, you know, obviously February is the is Black History Month. So, you know, it's always good to be kind of inspired and fed by lots of different kind of inputs that people are putting out there for us to consume and take and to think and pause to celebrate our black history and celebrate people who have made history and have allowed us to be who we are today. And so it's it's just amazing to read all the various people that we come across who we literally don't hear about. And in this last week, of February, we have lost a historical figure, um, Catherine Johnson, who passed away at the ripe age of 101. And if you don't know who Catherine Johnson is, then you need to know who she is because she was an American mathematician whose calculations of orbital mechanics at NASA were critical to the success of the first and subsequent U.S. space flights that occurred. She calculated precise trajectories that would let Apollo 11 land on the moon in 1969. And after Neil Armstrong took those historical steps, let it return to Earth. She, her work was hidden for 33 years. She worked at NASA for 33 years and no one knew about it. Her, along with a series of other African-American mathematicians. And really, it became more broadly known with the film Hidden Figures that came out in 2016. So thankfully to, and that's the power of, of art. That's the power of film. That's the power is that it, it, it allows us to, to celebrate more broadly and to get information in a way that we would not get information had it not been for that. So she finally got acknowledgement. And, um, and in 2015, President Barack Obama awarded her the Presidential Medal of Freedom. And NASA in 2017 named a building in her honor, the Catherine G. Johnson Research Facility. So we honor her. We honor you, Catherine Johnson. May you rest in peace for all that you gave. And I also want it, so it feels like an appropriate time to, to know that there are many hidden figures currently working away in different environments, be that in schools, in, in areas of business, in um in politics in health and um the health space in ev in the arts there are lots of hidden figures black women who are or women and women of color doing amazing sterling stonking work and we don't know who you are but we know that you're out there we know that you're treading out every day and doing phenomenal work and that everything that you are doing is allowing us to be who we are in the world. And that's like, that's why this podcast, you know, so it's like discovering those women who are doing amazing stuff in the world and just for us to be inspired by that. But I know that every step, every move that a black woman makes in her work 
enables me to tread forth and to do the things that I get to do in the world too. So shout out to all the hidden figures, shout out to us. And um, thank you, thank you, thank you, Catherine Johnson for everything that you gave, everything that you endured and everything that you mastered in your life, in your very rich life. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I couldn't go without having a moment with Catherine Johnson, really and truly, and all those women. Um, this, so it feels really appropriate, actually, as well, this week's episode and why this is an episode is, is my final um, interview with someone from UNCF. You know, so we've had Teresa Badon and um, was our first one. We recently had Meredith Anderson and now we've got a woman called Talia Givens who I'll tell you more about in a second. So um, women who are working to forward the future for the future. Can you say that? For the future? Future forward? Um, to support the future of African-American young people through and, and support the work of African-American uh, historical black colleges. And so it feels fitting that this is the last, of course, the last interview um, for my UNCF series is happening today. But before I do that, before I go to Talia and tell you who more about her, before we go to that interview, I just want to let you know that every Monday night you will find me on my Facebook Live at 6.30. Find me on my Facebook Live at 6.30. I hop on for 10, 15 minutes, but there's gold in them, their heels. So check me out on Facebook Live. Send me a question. If there's a question that you have in your life that you want to ask a coach, ask Shirley the coach a question, send me a question. You know how to contact me. You can DM me at Shirley McAlpine. You can send it via my website, shirleymcalpine.com forward slash contact me. Send me a question and I'll answer a question, you know, about your life, about coaching, anything around coaching, you know, like my coach. That's what I do. So send me a question. I'll answer a question on your Facebook Live. And um, in the meantime, there's a number of things that I'm covering, topics that I'm going to cover each week. So check me out on my Facebook Live and on the and in March I start Instagram lives as well. So send me a question, I'll ask you answer a question. Okay. So let's go on to Talia and let me tell you about her. Talia Givens is an engineer who shifted her career and started to use her analytical education to solve the social educational equations of today from K through 12 through the to higher education sector. She's originally from New Jersey. She's got a bachelor's degree in computer engineering, electrical engineering from Georgia Tech and Alabama University. And she started her career as an optical solutions engineer. I wish I knew what that was, but optical solutions engineer. Wow. And then Talia has worked extensively over the 15 years connecting segmented public and private sector systems and agencies into integrated systems to better serve the needs of youth and education organizations with equity and efficacy. She is the senior director of UNCF's student professional development program. And she's led the strategic direction and management of over 30 UNCF internship programs designed to both build workforce diversity and provide diverse students with valuable career experience and professional training for effective transition from college to career. You're going to love Talia. It's a rich conversation. And we're going to find out how an engineer ended up at the UNCF. I give you Talia Givens. Oh, thank you so much, Shirley. I am excited to be here. This is definitely an honor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's an honor for me to be able to spend some time with you. Um, why, why don't you start with you sharing with our listeners, what is it that you do at UNCF and, um, and your role, and then how you came to do what you're doing? I'm celebrating five-year anniversary this year being at, at UNCF, which is in the United Negro College Fund. I was hired in to basically help the 
uh, the Division of Scholarships and Programs reconnect all of their what we call corporate scholars programs into one umbrella. And they wanted to call the department the Department of Student Professional Development Programs. At that time, I was a good almost 10 years, about eight years into living in Washington, D.C. and working in the sector of higher education and K-12 education and career development specifically. Mm-hmm. And so when the opportunity opened up, I was definitely looking for a new opportunity. So I started my career as an engineer. So I was a black female engineer for a number of years. Wow. Um, and, and, right, and then I did a career transition into uh, what I do now. One of my mentors was, uh, he, he is currently the executive director of the National Society of Black Engineers, Dr. Carl Reed. He is so, I met him in my, in my journey. And we crossed paths in my journey because he was a person who was an engineer and he was now a black leader at an organization like the, he transitioned from what we call being a mentor to being a sponsor. Okay, and he yeah. put my name. Yeah. Right. And he put, he put my name forward and my experience forward to his colleague. And then the rest is history. I had to come in and really explain why I was passionate about this work we call internship programs and professional development for students and why it's important and how my career has shaped um, that work over the course of the eight years that I've already been in the Washington, D.C. area. And it was just really the right timing being in the right place. And so, um, so thank you for sharing all that because there's so much in there as well as like in sharing your journey to get in here. You know, I'm kind of trying to think, should we go to the engineering piece as a black female? <laughs> should we go to the power of sponsorship and mentorship? Should we go to the power of like, what does it feel like when you transition into, a, you know, out of a particular field into the field that you want? Let's, let's go on the journey together. We can start yes. with how do you go from being a young person in a, in a, a inner city of, you know, Patterson, New Jersey, where I'm from, and to end up in an engineering program yes. all the way down to Alabama, right? Yeah, Alabama let's do that because really, so how did that happen? And um, and then what was it like for you as a black female engineer? I grew up in Patterson, New Jersey. My mom and dad, you know, were working class factory worker. Mom was a factory worker. My dad was auto mechanic in his early career. And I, you know, I came up through the Catholic school system. So I didn't go to traditional public school. Mm-hmm. Uh, we sacrificed, you know, a lot to be able to put us through, um, at that point, a Catholic school. There weren't any charter schools per se in the area. That It wasn't that, that, that season, right? Mm-hmm. And so in that experience, I also had a really, you know, great foundation through my, my community, um, my family, my, my school community, as well as, um, my church community uh, really had great mentors throughout my whole uh, kindergarten through 12th grade experience. So even though I went to Catholic school, I grew up in the Methodist church, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, a lot of great leaders around me, um, all again, a working class community. Right. But, uh, but there was a great foundation of family in that, in that community, black history, um, and, and, and cherishing and knowing and growing up knowing that I was descended of kings and queens, you know, in Africa. And um, so it was a very rich um, experience. I guess I grew up in the African Methodist Episcopal Church, so you can't get more African than that, right? So when you start learning, well, why do we call it that? So then you start learning your history about um, the black church and, and how they helped to form community. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so getting a, a, a really good, foundation in my education. I was a good student. Uh, it, it was expected. I had parents that expected excellence. Mm-hmm. There was no bringing home, you know, the mediocre grades. Um, my father always used to say, like, if I had to be in the fields, going to school and, and taking care of a farm, and all you have to do is get up every day and go to school, then I want to see, I want to see excellence on that, on that report card, right? right. So they set a standard. But one of the other good things is that, again, in my church community, it was expected that you were going to college. You saw that all around you. The adults that were uh, in my church that I grew up in, the adults in my community organizations, and we saw 
my peers, those who were coming up ahead of me, you know, we would be together, we would go to high school, and then, you know, they eventually went to college. And so at some point, we had to make a decision on um, where you were going to school, but it, but the expectation through the school, through my family, and through my church was always there. So I had to decide, like, how do I, what, what do I want to do when you, when you're a good student, and you pretty much, you know, make decent grades, making a decision on what you're going to study in college can often be a, a, a process. I loved um, dance. I studied mm-hmm. dance. I had opportunity through community-based programs. My parents could not afford dance school. <laughs> right. They were paying. They were paying. You know, they were yeah. paying um, Catholic school tuition. They couldn't afford dance school. So, uh, through community-based programs, I was able to get an opportunity to test out the arts, right, and yeah. test out and and cultivate what I love to do, which was dance. And I had the opportunity also through my school to actually um, get exposure to computer programming, if you could believe that, at the age of eight. (laughs) And right. So this is back when you had DOS-based systems. Exactly, right? Yeah, for for uh, people now, young people now, they're like, I don't understand what the big deal is. It's like, oh, because there wasn't a computer in, in my places. house, right, right. There right. was, there was no computer in my house. Yeah. This is all at school, and we are doing, uh, com- you know. We, eventually, we did get a computer, a compact computer, right. uh, <laughs> at home. But I was had an opportunity to learn um, programming at a very young age, um, and then that that grew from from there in high school to learn C programming when I was in high school. I got involved in the um, the NAACP at a very young age. Wow. So that that's a significant part of the story because I got exposure to that when I was 11 years old. Um, and middle school, I think, is a great time period where uh, families, parents can really start getting their kids a lot of exposure to different things. Mm-hmm. My parents had membership in this um, historic organization and were active members, right? I got a kind of middle school age, and it was time for me to take the step out of my normal pattern and mm-hmm. get involved in my community, I kind of went the route of where I saw my friends going, right? So they were involved in this wonderful organization and um, it opened up a world of opportunities for me to see young people at high school age, uh, being able to run meetings, plan events, getting actively involved in what was happening in the local community of Patterson to learn who our local leaders were and be civically engaged was just and and to learn the historical context of the organization, but then also even before that, to they really lifted up our Black history to us, you know. And so you got it from all different fronts, you know. This leadership idea that you are a leader, you have value, you have to stand up, you have to speak, you have to um, let people know who you are, mm-hmm. and not be ashamed of that. Uh, it was groomed throughout all these different um, experiences, and so. I was able to join that organization, um, become a member, and then by the time I was uh, in high school, I was holding like you know a, a committee office, and then I became uh, president of my council, and you know and things like. So I, I began to grow in that experience. Wow. I took my dance, I took my dance experience, and I was able to utilize that within what they this national um, competition that they host. Uh, through the NAACP and actually compete in dance through this organization. So uh, through the NAACP, through their AXO program. Mm-hmm. And so it just, again, it, gave, it opened up a lot of different experiences, getting internships, learning about co- pre-college programs. I learned about pre-college programs and specifically a pre-college engineering program by being a member of, the, um, of my local um, NAACP Youth Council. And so when I was a junior in high school, I got a chance to go to NGIT and test out the waters in a pre-engineering prep bridge program. Mm-hmm. And that gave me the leverage when it came time to go to college uh, to really demonstrate that I'm serious about being an engineer. So when I applied to those programs, I had an opportunity to um, show that I was really serious about that. And my um, my uncle was the was a person that really put the bug in my ear about specifically studying computer engineering. Um, he said that, that that'll be an industry that's really, really coming up. You really need to think about computer engineering. The exposure to Black colleges and Black college life through being an NAACP and then having a focus on that I wanted to do computer engineering together led me to want to apply to a HBCU 
uh, that had computer engineering as its um, degree program. And so at that time, you know, this is the this is the early '90s. There weren't that many computer yeah, engineering so programs <laughs> at all in the country, let alone at a HBCU, right, at a historically black right. college and university. And so it narrowed down my pool. Um, and so <laughs> lo and behold, when it became time to apply, I ended up applying to a, about five schools and I got a full scholarship to go to the Alabama A&M University in Huntsville, Alabama, because it had a dual degree program. Mm-hmm. And I got a full scholarship to attend UNC, to, to attend Alabama A&M University, which was awesome. I, it was very unexpected, but it was definitely a culmination of good grades, great community and um, leadership development all the way from middle school through high school. And and there was one other important factor in this story where the NAACP part comes into play is Mm -hmm. that if you think about the book, uh, The Outliers Mm -hmm. by Malcolm Gladwell, my outlier story lies in the fact that at the, the year that I graduated from high school and... I mean, my year of applying to college, Bill Clinton was president. He had appointed Hazel O'Leary to be the secretary of energy. And she came during my junior year of high school to the national conference of the NAACP at the national convention. And she talked about developing this scholarship program. And I I was in the room. (laughs) I remember being in the room and seeing her on stage listening but not realizing the implications and the impact that she was going to be having on me within the next year. Wow. And a year later, she launched the scholarship program in partnership with the NAACP. It was called the um, NAACP U.S. Department, Department of Energy Scholarship. And it gave um, all the recipients, it was 20 of us, $50,000 in scholarship to pursue degrees in STEM, um, science, technology, engineering, and math. And you had to be a member, you know, a student under the NAACP to apply. But one of the key factors was your leadership and how uh, how much leadership had you uh, exhibited in the organization? And then, do, and then what do you want to do with your STEM degree? And so having been in the organization from the time I was 11 until the time I was, you know, even through college, mm-hmm. I had I had amassed a number of leadership opportunities. And at that time, I was, on, I was on the National Youth Work Committee. So I held a national office at the time. And I didn't know, there was no way for me to know that Getting involved in something that I was so passionate about, something I enjoyed so much, would yield such a return. But it was a really awesome moment to receive that additional scholarship because I was a dual degree student. So I wouldn't be able to take my presidential scholarship all the way through to the dual degree program because I had to transfer from Alabama A&M to Georgia Tech after the first three years. But because she afforded me uh, that scholarship, it was able to help me be able to get through a five-year engineering degree. And so that's how you go from starting out (laughs) in engineering. Yeah. And it was, it was tough. It was tough, but it was a, a huge reward on the other end and in your story, you know, in your, in your experience, why you can also see how you, why you are at, UNCF really you know like exactly with the NAACP this the experience of gaining the scholarships the the connection the mentoring the you know there's all of those pieces it all leads to Rome share with us what does it mean in terms of the internship program that you do here at UNCF and I know that you have been successfully expanding student participation in the in the program so what is it that you aim to do and like what are you accomplishing like in the work that you're doing? We call this student professional development because we know that it isn't just about having the job. It isn't just about getting the internship. It really is about one, exposure, letting students understand, college students understand about uh, what opportunities are really out there for them um, in various different industries, right? And then helping them really prepare themselves because there, many of these students are great campus leaders. I mean, they can tell you all the wonderful organizations that they are a part of. Mm -hmm. They are taking on the offices uh, and being leaders on their campuses. But there is a a different step of taking that leadership, that that initiative, Mm -hmm. and now helping them make sure they're activating that leadership in in a different way, but still at a high capacity way when they step into a corporation or a nonprofit organization or whatever that industry uh, environment might be. 
I lead a team of about five people now, but it has been as many as nine. We help companies think about how to really tap into and cultivate the talent, the, the wonderful talent that we have within our historically black colleges and universities. Um, our students are really top notch and our institutions um, are doing a great job. But it's oftentimes uh, HBCUs are overlooked as far as where uh, really great talent is that, that are entrepreneurial style talent mm-hmm. uh, and where it lies. And so we work with companies who say, you know, I really need to see more diversity in my in my corporation or, or I want to impact my industry. And we help craft um, internship programs inclusive of professional development programming and workshops and training mm-hmm. to ensure that not only is, are the students getting the, their foot in the door, that they're really prepared to show up strong. And within the f- first the first three years, we you know the department grew as we were consolidating our programs into one umbrella. We've uh, we've served you know over 470 students in the past six years of uh, program cycles. Mm-hmm. So I've been at UNCF five years, but we've had six program cycles um, since I've been here, and uh, we've had over 470 students right. that have an opportunity to get an internship, and over 900 students have received professional development training. 34 internship programs um, have been established. Year over year, we're seeing how the benefit of um, diverse internships um, are really impacting various industries. And we have really served um, so many different types of companies in the public relations industry. We have um, worked in hospitality industry um, and and travel and tourism, the finance industry. Um, One of my um, oldest programs is uh, the Walton UNCF K-12 Education Fellowship, and that is an education-based internship program that has had upwards of 25 different partners. But the Walton Family Foundation established it with UNCF to really address the issues of building African-American leaders, making an impact in quality and um, an equitable education for students of color. Because as you know, the education reform movement has been very strong for the past 10 years. But oftentimes we don't see as many of our people who look like you and I um, leading in developing these um, wonderful programs. And it's important that um, the people who are leading this this effort share the background and share in in that work uh, for the students that they are actually building those programs to serve which are many low-income and students of color. I am, in, as a part of their journey, building this team and building this work to really continue to make an impact um, across various industries, healthcare, finance, social enterprise, mm-hmm. um, entrepreneurial opportunities now. We host the annual student leadership conference. And what's different about our leadership conference is that, um, again, it's, it's that place where the students have successfully secured the internship, but we have a, um, a day and a half, two to three, day, one day is one and a half day boot camp where we were bringing those students together. And before we launch them out into the deep yes. <laughs> of that summer experience, we're bringing African-American leaders to, in front of them. We are doing workshops nice. to, to talk about what does it mean to show up strong? Mm-hmm. How are you going to make the most of this internship experience? Mm-hmm. What are your goals? And how does that align with um, the type of work that this organization is going to be doing? And how are you going to manage up uh, to make sure that um, you are meeting the goals of your projects, the goals, the expectations right. of your supervisor, helping them with the tools to make sure that, that day one, they come in with a plan and they've taken time to learn their organization adapt to the culture, be professional, and, and come out on the other end with one of two things. You want that job offer mm-hmm. uh, or you want the really strong recommendation. So I can hear, one of the things I hear in your speaking is you're so passionate about what you do. I'm curious about like what is it that fuels you, your, that passion, you know, in terms of this. Like, what is it specifically about this that you think, I'm fulfilling my purpose or this is what I'm supposed to be doing at the UNCF. I know that your background, there's such a strong connection, but I'm curious about if you had to like get to the essence of what motivates you in this, then what is it? Success is where preparation meets opportunity. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think looking at my story as I grew up and I then went into my career, I said, 
I have to have a mission. Um, the mission has been what drove me when I was, you know, in back home growing up in Patterson. Um, and then when I got into my career, um, I definitely wanted to make sure that the work that I do is helping the greater good. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and there's a lot of ways that you can do that. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so why specifically this way? I think when you have that positive experience, when you have, when someone has made an opportunity for you, that need for you to pay it forward okay. and show the and show the next generation how they can also be successful. That was a key driver, and with and that is what drives me to do the work that I do now. Right. We have to continue to show young people the path, but that but at the same time, they have to have the freedom and the independence to choose which direction they want to go. But if we're not at least illuminating the opportunity and the possibilities of all the areas they can go, then they're going to be stuck in, they're going to be stuck in a box. Right. And so you wonder why I went from engineering into this work. Well, and, but this work is so much aligned with my experiences that I had as a youngster. Yeah. And it's aligned with the opportunities that I got through college but nobody showed me where I could fit it in as a career. And I had to find that for myself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And take the leap to do it. I take a, take a, a risk in, in shifting my career into what really gave me a passion every day. What really got me up in the morning. Mm-hmm. And so when I see an opportunity and when I see a young person getting their foot in the door, and I see a young person saying, you know, I've been interested in this area, but I just didn't know how to make it happen. And then I find out about that opportunity and I make that connection that gives me energy. And I I really love um, helping young people seize the opportunity and make the connection. And oftentimes it isn't just about the connection. They have to be developed to be able to take advantage of the opportunity. And so what I thought initially when I got into this work is like, oh, just show people what the opportunities are. Oh, just open the door. And I realized that, and in many instances, when you're working with young people who may not have the confidence or someone may, didn't, never told them that they were great, mm-hmm. and we have to help them see themselves in these spaces. They have to help show them that you have the talent, the drive, the, uh, and we're giving you, you, you had an institution that's giving you the education. All you got to do is put that together and we're going to help you get the first step you know, into making you're making your mark in the world. If you think about your family and as you were growing up and the messaging you got from your family and you, um, you talked about that earlier, what was those key messages that you took away that is feeding your success today? You come from a legacy. My family uh, really helped us connect back to our past. Uh, we used to do family reunions every year mm-hmm. and we would go back down south and see our family and hear the stories about how we got to where we were. So that idea of legacy um, and that you re- you're representing more than just yourself okay. when you step out the household. It was definitely one of those things where, where um, we, were, we were definitely taught and uh, developed to understand that as an African-American youth and one day African-American adult in this country, you are going to have to work harder to be seen as equal. And I was like, wow, really? <laughs> like, like, yes. And but they, but they explained to us why that is, right? And when there is still a struggle today, right? But we took that on and said, okay, but we're not going to let that hinder us. We're not going to let that be a crutch. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was expected um, that you were going to succeed. My, uh, my dad used to say, the word can't is not in your vocabulary. I said, okay, got it. (laughs) Always know that you can do anything you set your mind to. And so he he did not want to hear us say, I can't, you know, my mom used to say, make a move, even if it's wrong, just make a move, you know? Now, oftentimes she said that while sitting in traffic, right? But there's, there's some, there was wisdom there. She was like, you cannot just sit stagnant. You've got to, you got to um, seize the day, not be afraid of your mistakes. And sometimes you can learn from those mistakes. And I was this, you know, this kid until growing up as a kid who typically did well in school. Yeah. When I, it got hard, when it got hard um, and everything I knew to do 
I was doing, but I wasn't seeing, seeming to cut the mustard, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I had to, uh, I had to lean into, okay, the you, legacy, you aren't the first person to go through an engineering program at Georgia Tech. Right. <laughs> um, your, my, your university, Alabama A&M gave you the great foundation. Let's build on that. And so I had to not fall into um, that rut um, but life, but life will get hard, and um, I had to lean into those lessons that can't wasn't in my vocabulary. You got to make a move, find the resource, um, uh, and if it's wrong, you you'll make the you'll make the course correction. And that was that was you know that was hard lesson to learn um, at a at a when I was in college, but it definitely has helped me as I've moved forward. And the, those know. those powerful, they're such powerful messages that you had you know the make a move is is such a powerful message it seems like almost a simple one but when we stay stuck and when we're it tells us to like there's always a move that you can make mm-hmm. you know even when you right. can't even see it, you, the things like I, there's something that i can do what am i gonna do and then you exactly. just like really that that self you know was, you know in what came up for me when you were talking that that coaching of yourself in those moments he said i'm not the first person so what did i what can i lean on in this moment to get me through um this experience and um we've talked before about on our on this podcast you know the difference between the that that inner that inner critic that, <laughs> that speaks right. to us or what i call your inner warrior and, you know, so who's going to win? Or when my when I'm speaking, sometimes when I was speaking to my son when he was younger, he would talk about the different people speaking to him on each shoulder. And one of them was telling him to do things that wasn't the right thing to do. And <laughs> right the other one was saying, yeah, don't do that. that that's yes. the right thing to do. And, and, and so the thing is, he'll, he'll distinguish which is the voice that won. So the one that mm-hmm. was telling me to do the right thing won today, mummy, or the one that's telling me not to do the right thing. <laughs> was the one that won you know and that's how we, right. that's how it works isn't it you know that inner critic yeah. does it all can you allow that to win or do you love your do you allow your inner warrior to win yeah and it so got that, harder as i got older yes. it was a little bit um when i was at um georgia tech what i by saying to my by reminding myself i wasn't the first african-american student to go to mm-hmm. to, to, com- to complete this place so it can be done yes. and i was i was determined I said, I am not stupid. Right. I, t- I was like, I am not stupid. If I if if I can get to where I've gotten to this point, there is a way to succeed here. Yeah. And then, you know, there were resources. There were um, offices of student success that had the tutors that had a pl- a program. And I got and God bless them because they were the, the, there was a unique office that was at the institution. Um, that was designed for the minority students. And if you just leaned into the resources, you will pass, you will get through. Yeah. But those students who did not, who kind of went at it on their own, did not succeed as well. Right. And so oftentimes the resources are right around you, but you have to, you know, use take it. a breath and, and, and yeah, and use it. There's so many things that's out there that we mm-hmm. can use to, make ourselves small to have to Mm -hmm. deny our our skills and our abilities and so on you have to just find the place where you excel and you will and where and you just need to locate yourself in the right place and the right mindset because there Mm -hmm. are certain things that we're going to be fantastic at and there are some things that we're just not i literally went into google uh, search and i did mpa space ampersand space fellowships and did a search and the first thing that came up at that time was this organization called national urban fellows and it was an mpa program i had never heard of it before but at that time it had been around for 30 years and it was uniquely designed to help african americans um uh, get their masters in public administration to build diversity and leadership in the public sector That's where I'm saying opportunity yeah. and preparation come together. Um, I thought about applying to some other programs, but I said, this was like the best, the best opportunity for me. I was like, they're going to offer me an opportunity to get a master's degree 
fully, full, full fellowship. Um, it'll be accelerated, it'll be a faster pace than normal, but I'm up for the challenge, right? And then also, I didn't have to take a GRE. And by applying to the fellowship, you automatically get acceptance into the the higher uh, the institution for the grad program. And so it was a great opportunity. I was like, oh my goodness, this is exactly what I'm looking for. Um, the rest is history. It took me, I, I didn't apply that year. I waited a year because I wanted to really work on my application. But as soon as it opened up, I was the first first application to complete in the system because I had, you know, did my essays, got my transcripts, did everything I had to do. That opportunity with the National Urban Fellows Program mm-hmm. was a launching pad into getting the opportunity to realize the the next level of my of my uh, dream of working in the public sector, of working in education, um, getting my master's degree, um, and coupling that with my engineering background. And people often say to me like how is it that you have an engineering degree, but you work in this sector and how do you put it together? And I would not have known this until I started looking for my next positions after grad school. Mm-hmm. Um, I would not have realized that there is a value in understanding how to solve problems. Yeah. There's a value in understanding and how to analyze a situation, determine what you, what, factors you have at play in the challenge and then figuring out what's missing and trying to determine what's the equation that's going to solve this problem. Mm -hmm. And that is essentially what all of my educational background afforded me, um, which was the opportunity to um, really understand how to look at challenges, issues, problems in a systemic way. Right. And and, I, and I've been, I've, at every job I've, I've been able to achieve, every, every level I've gone to, many of the people gravitate to bringing me on board to allow me to to work in this field because they they want that problem solving mm-hmm. um, analytical mindset at the table with them as they're trying to figure out how do we get students from one point to the next, <laughs> you know. I'm I'm love, one I, one thing I'm loving about your. Um your journey is it really speaks to um, people who are who have who start their career or their commitment in a career that's a particular field and that you can take a left turn you know if you really feel like that isn't where you want to spend your time that isn't where you're being called to that it's possible to shift that it's and, and that may yep. take some time but it is possible to shift to the to work in the area that you care about and um, that feeds your soul, and so you don't have mm-hmm. to stay in the in the place, and and that you can utilize the skills that you got from that from the place that you like. You're utilizing that approach that you got trained. Yes, in. it's important to know also that sometimes your strengths can also be an Achilles heel mm-hmm. <laughs> in that journey because. You can overanalyze sometimes. Right. Uh, that's a challenge I often I can often face. I'm a, I'm a con, I'm a connector, and okay. seeing things in a systemic way is, is can be very valuable. But sometimes when you're working in a team, or you know it, the, the team may not be ready to take that leap yet, yes. or they may not see that connection just yes. yet. It doesn't mean you throw away your gift or you throw away what you bring to the table. Is just now finding the right timing to bring it forward, Great. and not resent and not resenting the fact that you saw this ten months ago. You know, <laughs> I think that's that so good. That's so powerful. <laughs> I think you know when is you know I'm a coach and a consultant, and um, and sometimes you know when you enter into a system newly, an organization or a space or start to work with someone newly, there are things that you see just because. You're new because the, it's the, what I call the water that the person's swimming in. So when you're swimming in that water, it becomes, it's like what I do every day. So you're less likely to see some things. So that's the right. power, obviously, consultants, coaches, and so on, is you come in and you're able to see things. But the question is, are they ready to hear it? Take that information and use it to best effect. And so you're trying to figure out right timing for delivery of the information. So I think you're speaking to that. You, you can see that's one of your superpowers. But the other part of it is, when do, you, when, do you, when do you let everyone else know that's one of your superpowers? And sometimes they're not ready. Or sometimes you let them know, but right. they may not be ready to run in that direction with right. you. 
just yet, and that's okay. As long as it's not, you know, as long as it's not going to be detrimental that they seriously overlook a major exactly. factor in the plan. But sometimes it is okay that if they don't go down this pathway right now, we still got to remember that this is an issue or this is something that we have to address. Or here's a really great opportunity. And the people around you may not be ready to go or go towards that opportunity just yet. Doesn't mean that you, again, bury your head in the sand and don't bring it, bring it forward or lift, up, lift it up. It's just that having patience to the timing, like you, as you said, is important factor yeah. when you have the talent of connections and connectedness and, and systemic um, viewpoints. Yeah. I'm wondering what, whether there's been, or what's been one of your most courageous moments in your life. And that could be in your personal as well as professional life. You know, something that um, when you take an action that's on behalf of you, on the behalf of another, that's a heartfelt action. Yeah, so any thoughts on when I ask you that, what comes to mind? We talked about some of it, my most courageous steps in life uh, or those leaps of, those leaps of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, when I walked away from being an engineer in its traditional sense, it wasn't just uh, I woke up one morning. I had been contemplating it for over a year. Mm-hmm. I had accepted a, a new position. I was, in, I was at, a, at a company and I accepted a new position. And I just kept hearing the same thing six months prior that you're supposed to develop this new thing. You're supposed to be moving in this direction. And I heard it, you know, wrote out the vision of what it would look like and everything. I had to make a decision to still leave the company that was at, but then decline the offer of the company I was getting ready to step into. And part of that was I saw the chaos I was getting ready to walk into. And I was trying to leave where I was because I was, I could, I was didn't want to deal with the chaos where I was. Right. <laughs> and, and I said, okay. And it, it was a leap of faith. And then from that point, it was a five month period where I did not have a job. I had a house and everything. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I had to stand in that faith that the op- the next opportunity will open up. And that was was one of my most courageous moments because I had to stand against not only myself, my family was not totally on board with this idea. Right. I had to, I had the challenge for the first time in my life to do, do something that was not in line with, with, with when my parents agreed I should go. Okay. And so where I had the support and they, they my children section all this time in this area, it was, um, they were working against me. And so I had to be clear about what I saw, I had to be clear about every step I took, right. and um, and my faith in God, um, my my actual faith in Jesus Christ and the Scriptures was what led me on that journey. Mm. In all things, I know that God works for for my good because He loves me, and I'm called according to this specific purpose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as long as I'm walking in that purpose, there's going to be challenges. Yes. Um, but I don't have to shrink back. And I had to grow to that maturity. It wasn't something that happened overnight. I had to literally get myself off the floor, stop crying, (laughs) (laughs) and and grow up internally um, to be able to now be able to share that with somebody else who um, is scared about what the next chapter could be for them. And it's a daily battle. Um, It's harder now. We all have bills, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's so so powerful thank you so much for sharing that and um and in actual fact i feel like that's a good place for us to end our time together you know with that positive strong message that you know you stand in faith you 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 follow your like follow your into it follow your purpose know that it's when you have a sense that you know that it's the right thing to do even though your environment is saying what are you doing that you can stand there and um and keep keep moving or you make a move as it says your mum used to say make a move <laughs> make a move thank you so much for your time this afternoon for being a guest for sharing your wisdom for sharing your journey with us i really appreciate it so much yeah i think i appreciate that i appreciate the opportunity to um help the next generation this is just another opportunity in that i think um going forward um i want to give you encouragement in the work that you're doing and how you're sharing these stories with the world. Um, uh, this is a unique 
platform to be able to do that. And so I definitely want to encourage you to, um, to still continue to make your moves as well. Um, I'm going on to, to write a book one day. Um, I'm working on it now. I'm looking forward to being, becoming an author, adding author to my bio one day. Um, and so, um, I want to give you applause as you have uh, really offered the opportunity for black women, um, to really share, um, and support each other. And as we do all these wonderful, great things out here in this world. So, um, just want to thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. And listen, when you, perhaps you can come back when you've written your book and we can talk about, um, what your book's about and, um, and the contents of that, that'd be awesome too. I oh, fantastic. You thank you. Me. So have a good, um, rest of the night and evening and, um, and take care. Take care. Thank you, Shirley. I hope that you've been inspired to shift gears in your own life. This interview, you know, I always want to share a takeaway and you know, the thing that of all the things, there were so many things, right? But one of the things that I really just resonated, resonated, resonated so much was make a move. Talia's mum, what her mum said to her, make a move. Do something. Do something. You know, so there is always a move you can make. So whenever you feel stuck, whenever you feel like, I can't, I don't know what to do, do something, shift, move, even getting in communication, getting, having a conversation with someone about it. Someone you trust who can help you move forward is also a powerful act. So that's one of the things. So if you got to, if you want to take a mantra for this week, make a move. That's what I'm taking forward with this, this week, make a move. And the other thing is, there's, there's never a wrong move because every move is an opportunity to learn. There's never a wrong move because every move is an opportunity to learn. I would love to hear from you to find out what you're getting from this episode. What did you get from the series, the UNCF series? We had Teresa, we've had Meredith, we've had um, and Talia today. You know, what are you getting from just that whole conversation about what are we doing with our young people? and forwarding and supporting them in their own leadership in their own life and show up in their careers and supporting them with having successful careers that's a match for who they are in their in their current like achievement and their potential and meeting their potential you know i always like to hear from you you can contact me through my instagram you can send me a message through through my um website and find me on she's got drive podcast community page or um, the She's Got Drive page. And I look forward to hearing from you. She's Got Drive is produced by Cassandra Fortalina. The music is by the awesome or female band Blonde. The song is called Circle. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, go well and stay well. <laughs>